Welcome to Burned Out to Badass podcast. I showcase amazing women who've recovered from burnout and reclaimed their inner badassery. I get into the grunge of burnout with them and then walk their journey through to celebrate with them on the other side where they are now. It's not perfect, but it's imperfectly marvelous. I'm your host, Dr. Erin Wiseman, and today I'm talking with Dr. Josie McGowan. She's a fellow DO, a graduate of Kansas City University. She's a board-certified internal medicine doc, and most recently, we got to know each other well through Burned Out to Badass. All right, let's get into her story. Welcome to Burnt Out to Badass podcast, my fellow friend, colleague, and badass physician, Dr. Josie McGowan. It is so great to have you with me today. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Well, before we jump into your Burnt Out to Badass story, let's like let the audience know a little bit about yourself. I am from the Kansas area, and I went to Kansas City University in Biosciences and Osteopathic Medical School in Kansas City. And uh, graduated from there, did my internal medicine residency in Michigan, then came back to be around family and did some internal medicine practice for a while, and then decided to pivot a little bit and ended up finding academic medicine of six years. So I can get into personal stuff too, but that's kind of my professional. Absolutely. And your husband, he's doing some training right now. You have a wonderful son at home. Yeah, my husband is a third-year pathologist, a nine-year-old. He's a third grader out school. I know. We've all become homeschool teachers, and we didn't even know it. (laughs) Well, let's talk a little bit then. Give us a little sneak peek of what burnout felt like for you. I would say that burnout is something that sneaks up on you. I would say even someone with emotional intelligence, which I think that I have, that it it just kind of creeps up on you. It feels, I can handle this. I can handle this. I'm good at what I do. Uh, I can take on more risk about pathetic. I else first, most of us go into medicine with that in mind. The most common thing that I hear when I ask students why they want to be a physician, it is to help people. So we have that innate empathy and altruism that is a part of us and we end up focusing everyone else back. And that's something that I would say definitely starts out in medical school. But for my journey, it ended up more in residence, how there's of that. All of a sudden, 36 hours of straight patients, less than 24 hours off and back to it just sort of that initially becomes, you know, have I eaten? How how much sleep do I get? And you become the back burner and it sort of slips away and you don't even realize how much you're going into a burnout rabbit hole. Uh, so then when you get there, it really is those components of some people call it, you know, moral injury or whatever, but it it is that emotional exhaustion, feel maybe irritable or just downhearted, just done with it, done with things, be a physician or be a mom or be whatever it is. And then the cynicism and negativity, I'm sure we all can relate to how we've seen that in culture. It's really of burnout. And then the other, the other component is the low sense of professional effectiveness, which I never really truly felt in 
the medicine era. But as we get into my story, I felt it in other aspects of my life and titles that I, where I felt like those areas. Absolutely. And yeah, and the exhaustion is not just like, oh, I need to go take a nap. It is like in your bones. I am never going to feel good again. Yeah, it feels hopeless, really. There's no one coming to rescue me. This is my life, is what I said. I do have a lot of loans, and I'm sure others can relate. And it's just, I got to keep on keeping on. And if I admit that I can't keep on, not about weeks, but you feel that, you start telling yourself things that are really thought distortion, how you have to, you have to keep going, you know, you're not a quitter, you're, you're not a failure, which, which are true things, but you're pushing yourself beyond while neglecting yourself. And you can't just, you know, no matter how much resilience or grit you have, it becomes, that's what burnout is. You've exhausted all of those coping sources that you had you need to figure out a way to fill that tank. Yeah. I literally think of it like an engine that like all the oils out of it, all the coolant is gone, gone. It's starting to like gunk up the lines and the pistons are like seizing. That is what we're talking about with burnout. It's not the, oh, I just kind of don't like my job. No, this is like the holy shit. All the lights are blinking on the panel. Like <laughs> We got to pull over because stuff is smoking. It is bad. There's no more forward motion because there's nothing left. I know that I found times when I was in burnout that things would just pop out of my mouth, like really negative, cynical comments that part of it was just the culture that I grew up in as a resident. Like it was just kind of commonplace to like, quote unquote, lit off steam. But now that I recognize we're really signs of a burnout prone culture. Did you have that experience where like all of a sudden you're like, whoa, that just came out of me? Yes. And I would say that. Most of the time, I mean, I can think of a few instances in residence, but most of the time, unfortunately, I think it, it happens at home with a safe space becomes with my son or my husband, extreme irritability that I end up letting off because I've been keeping it together at work at that max, find that irritability. Um, especially now when third grade co-teacher doing a lot of real third grade, but not in a real environment grade after a long day's work, I can feel myself more ear so that you know, even now, I wouldn't say I'm cured. I wouldn't say burnout's no longer a part of my life. It's definitely ones where I think, I think in general, but especially in medicine, it's just this thing that likes to sneak up on you to creep in on you and always knocking at the door and you have to be on guard. So I recognize, wow, you know, I've been a lot more irritable and to teach this math than I should be. How about I go take a break, come back in a second, because that's fair to you. Yeah, I think that's a really good point is it's a process. Like you don't just like flip a few switches and do some yoga classes and you're out of burnout. It is a continual process. It is a continual change. And really what I see with people that I work with I mean, it's like intentional work for 18 to 24 months. It is in the long haul and it is making changes and both externally, but more so internally before you can finally look back on that path and be like, okay, I am now on a different path. I am on a place of healing and of sustainability and joy rather than always depletion. Well, let's pivot a little bit. You talked a little bit about like what it felt like inside that you like definitely met the classic diagnostic criteria for burnout. 
But how did it look and feel from the outside, from maybe your family's perspective or friends or people you worked with? Well, I kind of talked about how I feel like if I can look back and self-reflect, there's probably about three times that I've really exerted out first in residency, second, my first attending job, and then most March 2020, beginning of the COVID pandemic, all of that. So I'll speak mainly to the most recent part, because that's, that's really what instigated all of this in my interactions with you. I would say for a long time, probably for five months, I felt like I was probably keeping it together. I had a good wall and facade built up of, I've got this, I've got three full-time jobs and I'm doing well and fooling everybody, essentially, kind of thing. Whereas on, you know, there's there's cracks in the foundation of those irritability pop-offs or whatever that are behind closed doors to the point of probably that five months in where I've just exhausted all of my resources. Anything that I had previously used as an outlet, going to the movies, date night, eating out at a restaurant, you know, all of the things that I used to be able to go get my hair done, my nails done, whatever, stay at home. And I wasn't able to do those things. There were, there's other things that I could do, but there's only so much you can do at home before like, okay, I don't want to take another bath. I don't want to read another magazine and I go for walks and stuff, but I'm missing other ass, the tools that I used to have. So it really ended up leading to, to burnout. And I would say eventually it caught up with colleagues started kind of noticing, not really saying a whole lot to me about it. And then it was really a heart to heart with my husband you know, I, I kind of knew and I kind of felt like it was happening. But even though it's not truly a psychiatric diagnosis, you still have the poor insight, no matter how much emotional intelligence you have, you still kind of think, you know, I can do this, I can push through this, I am better than this, I'm a failure, and I'm not weak. And then when my husband sat down saying, you know, you're not the same anymore, a lot of changes, and I'm worried. And that's when I kind of broke down a read too that affected me a lot more. I can't, I can't have three full jobs. There's not enough of me to do everything. Be a homemaker, wife, mother, be a co-teacher at home, plus my regular full-time job. I got to tap out and I don't even have a vacation or anything that I can look forward to. Yeah. And so where did your journey proceed from there? So I would say definitely after discussing that we started thinking about what types of things that I could do. And initially we used to have house cleaner come in and that had stopped for a while, but things were opening back up and I decided let's go ahead and do that. And then laundry, we found a laundry service and he went and signed us up for a lot to help start outsourcing some of the tasks that were mine. And initially I didn't like that. It made me feel like I couldn't do it. Like I can't do all. Like, you know, I should be able to do these things. You no, know, I should be able to take care of our laundry and clean our house. I like the feeling that I couldn't. But then after doing that and luckily in a financial place to be able to do it, it started feeling like, oh, you know, there's some pressure taken off. This is this is nice. I have a little bit of breathing room. There's some of this stuff off my plate and I can focus on things. So that was the beginning. And then 
around fall 2019, you had just kind of sporadically cold called, not really cold called, but emailed me LinkedIn, just kind of telling me about what you do. And we had the connection of having an alma mater that we share. And so I had kind of kept that in the back of my mind, burnout and wellness, resiliency, all of that stuff is something passionate to myself. And I've really worked in the university with our students because I see the transition and how it starts there. And so there's been different programs and things that I've helped out with there. And so I really admired what, and then when I realized that I was going through it and that I needed to figure out how I could beef up my tools to be able to handle this in this unprecedented time, I reached out, I set up a one-on-one you know, to kind of feel it out and be you about and stuff like that. And right off the bat, you know, I clicked with your energy and true honesty and, and all of that. You, you just are who you are and you're apologetic for it. And I really loved that. Uh, you gave me a task for the week, biggest things to say no, and that no is a and that was something hard for me to you know, to struggle with. And you said that I had to say it three times that week. And having that accountability and kind of having somebody tell me that I had to do it and I knew that I needed to make a change, I went ahead and did it and I had a better week. And so then when I saw your advertising mask course, I really wanted to get involved in that. And initially, I was reluctant, mainly due to financial stuff. I love that it was CME but I wasn't sure if I would be able to get reimbursed and such like that. And this was, I was planning on it being out of my own pocket. And you really, uh, you really helped me on working on how to make that work. I knew I needed it and that it was an investment in me and that I, I needed this. I went ahead and signed up for the course and can talk more about that. But that's, you know, one of the, the pivotal things I would say. My husband helping faith and God is a huge part of that. It all lined up. You call it coincidence, but having you reach out to me and have the resources I need, a God thing and to be able to utilize your. Absolutely. I remember that conversation because it was like summerish time of 2020. And we like, we knew this was going to be a long-term thing with COVID. Nobody was denying like, oh, this is going to be over six months or whatever. But I, I do remember that conversation where we had a one-on-one and it's so funny because when people come on a one-on-one call with me, like I'm the same person, <laughs> I'm not any different. And like really just getting to the heart of the matter and hearing your story. I remember you assigning you that homework and you like shook your head and like I could see like it's starting to like permeate in. Okay. She's giving me this task. I want to complete this. I'm not really sure about it, but we'll see how it goes. And I love, I love to hear the wraparound, honestly, when, when I assign homework and be like, well, how did it go? You know, on that sort of thing. And those little quippy sentences that to me just roll off my tongue, but obviously leave like a ripple effect through you that no is a complete sentence and that you're not hurting anyone or wronging anyone by putting up a boundary and just saying like, no, because that was something I honestly didn't get. It was always like, yes, sir, can I please have another? Sure, I'll take the next admission. Yeah, I'll hold on to the pager for another six hours. You know, and I think it is a super powerful, powerful message with that. And I love it. You were so enthusiastic. You were actually one of the first ones to sign up for the Burnt Out to Badass course. 
Of course, I mean, on the surface, I was nervous about it. It was a project that had been in the works for three years. And I was like, oh my God, should I be putting this out in the middle of a pandemic? Like, should I really be doing this? And honestly, you and several other the women who came in was like, no, this is the absolute perfect time for this. Definitely. And to kind of go back to, to what you were saying, I think residency permeates it and really does unfortunately create that culture of, you know, even, yeah, even being back to third and fourth year and coaching that I do to those students of, you want this competitive residency, you need to be willing to say, I'm going to work late. I'll take call if you want. I will get there super early that give up your sleep and your time to show your dedication and that you're not a slacker, lazy, fully committed to, and basically you will give up your whole life thing is the culture, unfortunately. And I really don't like that it's the culture. I wish I could change it, but I'm one person in change. I hope that, you know, somebody from here kind of recognizes that having some boundaries is okay. And it's a difficult time because that culture hasn't changed. So you can't really set up those those boundaries when I get that competitive residency. However, we're not really taught how to how to set that up, how how it's okay to say no. So that trickled over into my practice. And um, yeah, I'll see another patient and I'll be late and I'll neglect myself and my family and everything, which there's good to that. We want to help patients, but as we talk about in the course, the wheel of life and the balance, when, when it gets completely lopsided and uneven, it falls apart, it rolls over, and we as need more than that. I'm just invigorated that there are people like you who are implanted in the system, who, you know, you're not making huge land sweeping changes, but you're making microcosm changes in each and every person that you talk to. At least by you, when you talk to a student and say like, hey, these are the realities. I am not going to sugarcoat this. Your chances for burnout if you become a general surgeon are this. If you are a woman in medicine and you pick a high specialty subsurgical or medical training program, this is what you need to watch out for your fertility and for your future family planning. I appreciate you being there because I think I was a little rose-colored glasses because, you know, I was family medicine. I was like, oh, it's going to be fine. Everybody likes each other. It's okay. And didn't have that perspective. So I think you're doing amazing work with what you're doing. The one thing that you mentioned that you felt like the course was an investment in yourself. I thought that was really powerful. I mean, I know it's my course and I talk about it and I teach it, but coming from a participant standpoint, when really looking at it, was it worth the investment? Was it worth coming to class every week and doing the modules and seeing that line item on your credit card come off? Definitely. It's, it's one of those things I don't want to anybody to get me wrong as far as like when we outsourced, you know, like home cleaning and laundry and stuff like that. We do not have an abundance. I talked about we have many alones and my husband's in residence, but there are certain things that I feel are actually priceless for your sanity and that those became a couple of this was something that yes, initially I struggled with how to budget that in. And what would make it work? And like I said, being able to talk to you and say, well, I can't do it this much for this many months, but if you could change it a little bit and expand it or whatever, I can make this work. I can put it into the budget and I'm okay with using my fun money of the budget to go towards 
I need this. I, with that heart to heart conversation with my husband, with some colleagues kind of noticing, I knew I needed to make a change. And even though I had some tools and resources and things I knew from the things I tried to teach students, I didn't have it all. And, you know, initially it was like, life coach, I don't need a life coach. Does that mean my life is just totally off track and everything like that? Like, that sounds like such a bad thing. But then when it was like, I met you, and I saw what you had to offer. And I know a lot of successful people have like, it became to, you know, change what that term meant for positive in my life is a wreck and somebody to help me I don't feel like I'm that desperate of a cause. But with that, the investment in me, it was kind of the first stop to start in thinking about how self care is not selfish, putting me as a priority is important. And even though I am a giving person and loving person, empathetic person, I realized that I had now given everything and I had nothing left and I need to invest. And, and financially is one of those things that, you know, is a big motivator to do it. And when it wasn't just a known thing that somebody was going to be paying it for CME money for me, that this was my money going out, it made me, you know, I got to do the work. This is thing that I got to do and doing the work and attending this really get the most out of it. Well, and the amazing part, you didn't even share this part of your story was that after you'd said yes, and honestly, what we did is we just extended out from like a one time lump sum, we just extended it out over six months. And after you said yes, and got signed up, you worked with your organization and they were like, yeah, absolutely. We can see this helping you. We would be more than happy to help you with this. Right. Yeah, definitely. That's a great point. They saw the change. You know, I, I ended up talking to some of my colleague supervisor and we're kind of like, what's different? We noticed that there's a difference in you. It was coming out in, in confidence and, you know, maybe some boundary setting, you know, all, all professional things, but definitely an air of, of not, not what I was, but, you know, which when I think about it, I felt like defeat and hopelessness that I was trying to fool people, but I don't know who I was really fooling me myself kind of thing. And now they're seeing this. I was happy and I felt, you know, I looked like I had it together and I really felt like I had it together. And even though there's bad days, the, oh, well, you know, some of your quotes of B plus work is is good enough and striving is type A, you know, that I always got to get 100%, put everything I have into something that B plus work is not bad work. And especially if it's saving my sanity. So yeah, when I saw the impact it was making on my life and then productivity and how I was able to be positive in this life of turmoil, yeah, reimburse that. So it was a nice surprise. It was a super great surprise. Because yeah, as high achieving female professionals, I think sometimes people do look at like life coaching or having a coach as like admitting defeat or like that somehow I'm defective. But I really encourage people to look at like Olympic athletes. They don't just have one coach. They've got like five coaches. They've got a nutrition coach. They've got a sports coach. They've got a mindset coach. You know, they've got a lifting coach. And then they even have a lot of them have a life coach, psychiatrist, therapist to work with them as well. And like, that's the caliber that we work at. We are Olympic athletes in our professional field. 
So why would we beat ourselves up about getting this additional help that's going to propel us to that proverbial gold medal, to that life of success that we really feel like that we're living in? So thank you so much for coming today. And on a parting note, what do you want listeners to really know in their hearts and then do after hearing your story? I think what I really want is for individuals that burnout is real. It can happen to anyone. We've been talking mainly about the medical, especially COVID has shown us that really no matter what, it, the definition is chronic distress in a job situation. So really anybody recognizing the signs in yourself or a family, friends, noticing that in you, that, that you may be getting crispy and recognize no matter how brilliant, hardworking, amazing, resilient, you can do it and you can push through it type of person you are can really affect anybody. Like you said before, you're not alone. People out out there, that's one of the ways that I, I got courage to come on here and kind of share the story is to help others recognize that you're not alone. And it's unfortunate when you look, depending on what you look at for that statistic, how rampant burnout is in medical physicians in general. And I don't, I think those numbers are even higher, afraid to admit to it because somebody's going to find out and something may be affected from it. So we're just going to push through and come through it. And then we suicide that as a continuum of it. So to me, you're not alone. There is help to reach out to Aaron, reach out to if you feel like this is something that you're experiencing. Absolutely. And friend, the badass in me honors the badass in you. this story encourages, inspires, and infuses you with hope and inspiration. If you want to be in community with other like-minded badass women, let me know. Come on over to burntouttobadass.com. We've got all sorts of resources. Check out the free masterclass or the amazing Slack group entitled Aaron Wiseman's Badass Collective. Thanks again. And remember, the badass in me honors the badass in you. (laughs) 